All right, hey everybody. My name is uh, Matthew Wadley, and I'm here with Tom Eisenberg, and uh, this is the very first episode of the All Nets Are Off podcast. So thanks for joining us, and uh, basically just going to dive into a 2020-2021 NBA season preview. So, uh, Tom, the season starts in well, just about 48 hours from now. The the Nets play the Warriors. So, uh, what are your yeah, thoughts about the the opening of the season and of course the two opening night games what are your initial thoughts on that uh i love the game choices right you gotta have lakers clippers both teams weren't that great it was lakers clippers like the past couple of years so that's just a staple and then the other game is nets warriors right yeah and that's warriors yeah that's great i mean kd his first game back being against his former team i think that'll be a lot of fun and then steph curry he, he basically didn't play last year too so it'll be nice to see them again Right. It's too bad the fans can't be there because uh, the Lakers getting their ring in front of the Clippers is going to be nice to see. Yeah, um, that's going to be that's going to be fun. Ring night. And then to uh, man, the Warriors Nets, that's just so much anticipation. Even even with with that with Clay out, the Warriors are still a good team. I mean, Oubre and Wiggins and we'll, we'll dive into all that stuff later. But I'm excited for the games that they slated on Tuesday night. Yeah, I think I the Lakers Clippers is. The Lakers-Clippers is a little mm, – I just wish we could have played – or they could have played in the Western Conference Finals, but – Well, that's the Clippers' fault. <laughs> this time. Yeah, you're right about that. Do it. All right, hey, everybody. This is – my name is Matt Wadley, and I'm here with Tom Eisenberg, and this is the first episode of the All Nets Are Off podcast. Um, yeah, we're just going to discuss a little bit of the NBA stuff with the season about to start soon. So, you know – the season ended in October. The finals was in October. It's so weird because it's always in June. So it was definitely a weird year. And the, the off season was only really a couple months. So let's just talk about a little recap of the off season, free agency, draft, trading, coaching. You know, what were some key points that you kind of took away and what are you looking forward to? And yeah. I I mean, I think on the surface – a lot of people, including myself, liked what the Lakers did. They had a lot of, like, bench scoring issues and half-court scoring problems. And I think they really fixed that, right? They added the two the two top six men of the year candidates. And then they replaced Danny Green with Wesley Matthews, which is basically a wash. They're pretty similar players. So I think that was a great win for them. But I think some more underrated off-seasons were the Boston Celtics. I know that they lost Gordon Hayward and – so overall, like you, I'm not gonna say like that they won. Definitely didn't win the offseason, but I'm not gonna say like it was necessarily a victorious offseason. But it wasn't as bad as people make it out to be. Jeff Teague, I think, is a huge upgrade over Brad Wanamaker. I didn't like Brad Wanamaker at all. I think Jeff Teague is gonna be solid for them taking Kemba's role for the first month while Kemba's out. He's a good passer. He can shoot. Like he's just solid. He's a solid defender too. And Tristan Thompson's great, right? He really helps their rebounding. And he's a better, he's a little bit taller and is a little bit better defender than Daniel Tice. So I think that's just a great offseason. Not a great, but like underrated offseason because it's just not as bad as it looks when you just look at the loss of Gordon Hayward. He barely played for them in the playoffs anyway, and he wasn't really doing anything. And they still made the finals. So I really think that offseason was pretty good for them. I agree. Um, I think, you know, the Celtics getting rid of Hayward might actually be better in the long run because. They can go smart, Brown, and Tatum, that three-headed monster, and not have to worry about 
fitting Hayward in there. I think uh, obviously we know Brad Stevens loved Hayward, um, but I think him being somewhere else is, and in the, in the end, it's going to be better for this team. I think, uh, but yeah, I think I agree with you about the Celtics and of course about the Lakers. I mean, you know, we could talk about the Lakers all day and I'm excited for the Lakers because they addressed the areas they needed to address. Uh, personally, I would have liked to keep Dwight Howard just because he was so good last year, especially defensively. And I mean, he really avenged himself from last time he was wearing the purple and gold. But, um, you know, I do like that they went out and got, got Marcus all. I think that's a, you know, offensively, he's so gifted as a passer. And just thinking about him and Braun and AD on the court together is that's scary, and especially with AD being able to step out and hit the three consistently. And the same with Gasol too. Yeah, like I think that's right. a great fit. And they can really stretch the floor. And adding Schroeder and Harrell and Wes Matthews, and then <laughs> I mean, we we see what THT did in the uh, the preseason, and maybe it's just a preseason, but he looks like such a good player. So I think. Uh, the Lakers definitely won the offseason. But, uh, you know, I agree about the Celtics. I think the Celtics uh, really, you know, they didn't make any major improvements, but I think Thompson and Teague, I know those veterans off the bench is going to be big, especially when it comes to playoff time. And they're going up against the Sixers. They're going up against the Raptors. The Raptors lost Ibaka, and then they lost Gasol. So the Raptors are going to be – a little more thin. They so, replaced uh, them with uh, Aaron Baines. I think Aaron Baines is pretty good. He gives you a lot of the same stuff Marc Gasol does. I don't know if there's going to be much of a drop off for the for the Raptors. I think I still like them. I think they're still pretty good. Yeah, I like the Raptors too. I think they're good. I just I think the Celtics are the Celtics are really good. And then the Heat. I mean, you know, I wasn't crazy about the Heat in the playoffs, but they kept winning and they got to the finals and they won a couple of games in the finals. So, I mean, everyone's basically back except Jay Crowder went uh, to Phoenix with Chris Paul. But, yeah, I didn't uh, like those. I didn't like the offseason for Miami because they per- they wanted to resign everyone to one year deals to have offseason uh, money next offseason. And then, so they did. And then they lost Jay Crowder because he wanted more years. And then Giannis signed a max extension with Milwaukee. So now Miami cleared that cap space for no reason. And they lost Jay Crowder for nothing. Right. And I think the fallback for Miami is, is that maybe they can go and get a James Harden. So maybe they're okay with that just because the flexibility is there for get a guy to get a guy like James Harden. If that happens, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, and and I agree. I think uh, they were preparing to make a pitch of Giannis, and Giannis just signed that extension. But uh, one team I kept looking at, I'm like, what are you doing is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sam Presti just trading everybody and accumulating picks for the next few years. I mean, what do you think about the direction Presti is taking the Thunder team? I mean, I think it's obvious what they're doing. They're tanking, getting a bunch of picks because they're going to be a real team. They have the Clippers' future picks. They have uh, some Pelicans' future picks, some Rockets' future picks. And they're going to have their own picks, and they're going to be bad. So I think they're rebuilding, you know, the right way. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, um, they have a bunch of picks. I, I was just surprised because they were a playoff team last year, and they had Chris Paul, and I know Chris Paul's getting older, so they wanted to trade him to get what they could, but... I was a little surprised that he just went full rebuild because 
they were like middle of the Western Conference, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like it was a little surprising to me, but at the same time, if these picks turn out, even a couple of them in the next few years, you're gonna see a really, really good Thunder team. Yeah, I mean the Thunder, they definitely have a lot of being really good if these picks pan out. But picks tend to get overrated. So I'm not sure how they right. work out. I- yeah, and then I was reading a lot of stuff that they're making a run for, you know, Bronny, Bronny James, but I, I don't know. I mean, who knows I, how, I don't know. where he'll get drafted. I mean, we don't know what he's going to be like. That's too far. From right. Right. I, I think the same thing. I mean, he's barely a, a sophomore or something like that in high school. So, uh, but yeah, I think um, I'm really curious to see about the Timberwolves. And that's just because KAT is a good player. You know, they got D'Angelo Russell. They got Anthony Edwards with the first pick. So that team to me is just like, I don't know. And the West is so tough. So it's like you really have to get really, really good players in order to make a, in order to make a dent in the West. So I'm curious to see how, you know, Russell and KAT have wanted to play together apparently for a long time. So. Now they're finally together, and uh, we'll kind of see how that works out. But yeah, I don't think they I'm played not... a single game together last year, right? Or maybe it was like one. I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It was barely any. I don't think they really played together. Yeah, right. we'll see how that works. I don't really think they're going to be that good. I think they'll be a decent offensive team, but their defense is suspect. <laughs> they're not a great team to me. What did you think of the Portland Trailblazers offseason? I've been seeing a lot of like praise, but I think it was just like okay. I don't think it was anything spectacular. Yeah, I was listening to or reading some things earlier too, and they were really hyping up the Blazers offseason. But I felt the same as you. I mean, they got Robert Covington, who is, you know, a serviceable player, going to play good minutes for them. They got Derek Jones Jr., who's an athletic, you know, athletic wing. But they do have Nurkic coming back from that injury. And if Collins can get healthy. And then, of course, they signed Carmelo again. So, uh, but I, I wasn't crazy about what the Blazers did, but I think the Blazers team, as it was, was good enough. So, I think adding those guys might propel them to a little bit of a higher seed in the West. But I'm not sold enough to say that they're the winner of the offseason, especially in the West, because the Suns added Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't too crazy about what the Blazers did in the offseason. Yeah, the Chris Paul trade feels like it happened so long ago. I forget it was this offseason. <laughs> yeah, the Suns added Chris Paul. Like they, they, they might have won the offseason. Honestly, they went from a team that was at the like the bottom of the West, or supposed to be at the bottom of the West, and now they're like a playoff team. They're probably going to be a playoff. Team. Might even be like a five four seed if the things break right for them. If Chris Paul can play as good as he did last year. They can definitely be a top five seed. I mean, Chris Paul and Devin Booker is on paper, it's a great match because Booker can shoot lights out. We've seen it. He dropped 70 points in a game. And Chris Paul is such a smart player and a great passer and playmaker. And then adding Jay Crowder, and then they have DeAndre Ayton. I mean, they have Bridges on the bench. And Cameron Johnson is a player I think can going to make a lot of improvements this year. So, like they were, I agree with you. They were a five seed last year with Chris Paul and SGA Gallo Schroeder. 
But if you take Chris Paul off both teams, right, the Suns roster is better than last year's OKC without Chris Paul. Oh, absolutely. So I think the Suns team, if Chris Paul's healthy, I think they'll be better. Well, that's good. Yeah. I feel the same. I was like, Chris Paul has been a Sun for a long time. So, But I think the Suns definitely won the offseason. And it'll be interesting to see how Monty Williams uses those guys together. But Paul and Booker is just a a great match for each other. Yeah, I think that'll be a fun backcourt. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the East, I mean, there's the Magic who are just kind of sitting there. They never do anything. Really so do disappointing. Much. I wanted them to get Westbrook. They would actually be somewhat relevant. They haven't been relevant since Dwight Howard. And now because they didn't do anything for like the fifth year in a row, they're not even going to be an eighth seed anymore because the other teams started doing stuff. So now they're like going right. to be like maybe Absolutely. a 10th, 11th seed and then just, yeah. That's just not to be. Yeah. Be like um, the almost playoff team. That's the worst spot you can be in. <laughs> like the nine seed and the ten seed. That's like two games back. If only you had one more player, you know you'd be. Yeah, there. so you're not a playoff team, and you're not gonna have like a high pick. So that's just that's terrible. Yeah. Um. One more team in the East that I was, you know, again I thought they were gonna make some major move, and it just didn't happen. And this has been like this for the last few years. Is the Knicks? I mean, the Knicks. What did they do? Bring in Austin Rivers. They added Alec Burks. I like him. Yeah, that's true. And Merlin's Noel. Same with Collins. Yeah. I mean, they're just signing dudes that they can basically trade before the offseason and maybe get some picks. Right. But what I do like about the Knicks is that they have Obi Topin. I do like him a lot. Um, he was really good at University of Dayton. And I, I really like Mitchell Robinson. I think Robinson defensively is great. Um I just don't know. Isn't Tom Thibodeau the t- the coach over there? I don't know if <laughs> people keep giving Tom Thibodeau a job. I know he did good in Chicago for the most part, but I don't know if he's the right coach for the Knicks per se. But I mean, it'll be interesting to see that Knicks team. But they're like really, really young, and they just, you know, for the last few years they wanted some marquee free agent to come over there, and it just it's never happened. I feel like we've been saying this for. The last seven, eight, almost the last ten years. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the Knicks roster. I don't think anybody does. The rebuilding. I didn't really like the top of the pick. I mean, he's twenty-two already. Why are you drafting a twenty-two-year-old power forward when most of your money is invested into power forwards? That just didn't make any sense. The Knicks have needed a point guard for basically ever, and Tyrese Halliburton was right there. And they were like, "Nope, we're gonna take another power forward. He fits just right with Julius Randle." Like, good job, Knicks. Knicks doing Knicks things. <laughs> I I do like Topin. Yeah, he's 22, but I definitely think they should have gone with Halliburton. That just made so much sense on paper. I'm like, what are you guys doing? It was a perfect fit. Whatever. I mean, the next. <laughs> I don't know. Like, they, they never do anything right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, uh, you know, we talked about the Raptors, but how? What about the 76ers? What do you think about them and the moves they made, especially, you know, bringing in Doc Rivers? I mean, he, he can't be worse than Brett Brown. So that's that's a good fit. I mean, it, it should help. We'll see. I, I think they have more potential now with Coach Rivers than they did with Brett Brown. And I liked that. I can't believe they got rid of Al Horford's contract for just one first-round pick. And they 
return. He was actually someone who could help them. What a steal. How did they – why did OKC do it for just one pick? Like, I feel like you could have gotten more picks from them. That offer contract is atrocious. So now they've got a 3 and D wing who's expiring. So if he's a little paid. So now, like, you don't have to, like, keep paying him for all these years, like, with Al Horford. And he can shoot. He fits with Embiid and Simmons. I think they're that's a good offseason. And they traded Josh Richardson. For mm-hmm. That improves their shooting, too. They already have enough defense. They don't need another defensive wing who's, like, a mediocre shooter. Now they have, like, one of the best shooters of all time. Right. I, I – Daryl Morey is over there. I mean, I think that's a good spot for him to land. But I don't know. The only thing I could think about is the Thunder had cap space to do it. And who else are the Thunder paying right now? No, I get why the Thunder accept. Yeah. I just think they could have gotten more picks. Oh, they definitely could have gotten more picks. I think so bad. Pressure's How did you – like, one pick? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know, but that might have been uh, – for the Sixers – you know they're happy about it over there, so getting rid of Porford and freeing up some space. But uh, I do like that the Sixers brought in Dwight Howard. I think he's going to do great for that bench unit. And uh, he's a great uh, Danny Green. I know, I know Danny Green got a lot of hate last year from Lakers fans for his shooting, but Danny Green is still a great defender. Yeah, he's a really good defender, right? and like he still shoots like thirty six, thirty seven percent, even when he's inconsistent. Like that's better than most are going to do. To have Danny right. Green. I think maybe not for 15 million, but there's no team that would be like, no, we don't want Danny Green. He hurts us. No, he's just a he's a winning player. I mean, he's won two finals in a row. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I I agree. I think you know I understand why all the Laker fans were upset about Danny Green. He missed a lot of a lot of shots, a lot of big shots, but he was so good on defense last year. So I mean. Harder for Simmons um, trade happens. Danny Green might make three straight finals. <laughs> That'd be insane. It, On three different teams. That's crazy. That's never happened. Yeah, speaking of that Harden and Simmons trade, I could see why the Sixers would do it, but Ben Simmons is so good and he has potential, but if the Sixers, they want to win now, and I mean, that's obviously, they hired Doc Rivers, they brought in Daryl Morey, so we know they want to win now. So if they make that trade, it's not about five years from now. It's about this year and next year. And I mean, I can't remember Harden's contract off the top of my head. He's got two more is? years and a player option. So essentially, it could be three. So if they if they trade him, I mean, I could I could see why they do it. I think they should um, do it because Simmons hasn't improved basically since he came into the league. He's improved as a defender a little bit, but I think what they should do is they should wait. And see how the season starts. Give it, you know, 20, maybe 30 games. Assume, I'm, this is assuming Harden is still on the Rockets. Obviously, some other team could snag him. But see what you have. And if the team is doing really good, then you obviously, you know, you keep Simmons. But if this fix doesn't working, yeah. then you should try to make the trade for Harden. Harden and Embiid is a duo that even, I know you only have two years, but you could win a title in those two years. Daryl it's a one percent chance sure. to win a title. You should go all in and go for it every time if you have at least one percent. So dude, they have more than one percent chance, so they should make the trade. Because with Simmons, I think it's so much harder. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
you know, not too sure what the Rockets are going to do. But I do like Simmons, but I, I understand what you're saying. He really hasn't improved that much since coming over. And I, I'm just curious, how much leverage do the Rockets have, if any? I mean, Harden's been playing the preseason games. It's not like he's just sitting at home waiting to get I mean, traded. he can't so. afford us to now. They can void this contract. And, like, I mean, right. get, like, he can get extended a year. You know, it's really messy if he does that. So he's he's going to play if they don't pay him. Right. I think they have a lot of leverage because he has so much time left on his contract. Like, they could just keep him all year. Right? Now, the thing is, is they're going to lose value on the trade because he'll be older. It'll be less time. But they don't have to trade him this season. He's not expiring at the end of the year. They can just keep him. So they have a lot of leverage. So the, whoever wants to get him is going to have to pay a lot. Harden's really good. Yeah, Harden is really good. And just playing, you know, that devil's advocate, if they kept James Harden, how do you think Wall and Harden fit with I think each it's other? a pretty good fit. Wall is very similar to Westbrook, except I think he fits better with Harden. I think he's a little bit better of a shooter, and he's a more talented passer to the corners. Like, he's really good at that, driving kicks. Westbrook isn't quite the same there. Wall's just one of the best passers in the league. Not that Westbrook isn't, but Wall's better at that. So I think that's a better mm-hmm. fit there. And they also have Christian Wood now, and I think he's like probably the best big Harden's played with. He's just really good. He's like a mini Anthony Davis. He can shoot. He has like ball yeah. handling abilities. He can drive to the basket. So I think that like if Harden's like is willing to stay, that could be a really good team. That could be the second best team in the West if Harden stays. I don't know if it will be, but it could be. And I don't know if wherever Harden may end up is going to be better than that. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, you know, he hasn't played in really a couple of years, but they added DeMarcus Cousins, and he's thinned out if you saw any pictures of him. So I'm really curious to see how Cousins comes back off, you could say, two consecutive injuries. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that Rockets team plays out. Assuming Three consecutive injuries. He got New Orleans and Golden yeah. State and L.A. Poor DeMarcus. <laughs> I know. I, I – I was hoping he would stay with the Lakers, but it just didn't turn out that way. I don't think he fits so. that roster anymore. No, not anymore. Um, yeah, let's kind of swing it over. Um, what do you think about the extensions throughout the off season? And I mean, today there were some big announcements. So I what think are you obviously, I mean, the best one is the Giannis one. I liked it just. I like it for everyone, unless you're the Heat or the Mavericks. Like this is just great. I think it's great for the league to see a star stay with his team. I think it's great for the Bucs. They don't have to have that anxiety now. They don't have to worry about, oh, my God, those Drew Holiday picks. Oh, my God, what if we don't win? What if we don't make it out of the second round again? I think it's great. Like, I think you should stay. Like, the team is not that. Like, they've put a pretty good team around him. Part A lot of the reason that they're losing, not all of it, but, like, a major part is that Giannis is not performing. Like, he's playing pretty well, but in the fourth quarters, he disappears because he doesn't know how to play off the ball because he can't shoot. This isn't a LeBron and Cleveland situation where he was doing everything and the team was terrible. Giannis is playing with Chris Middleton, an all-star, and Drew Holiday. He's an all-star caliber player. LeBron didn't have that kind of help. Like, there's Giannis does not have an excuse for not making the finals. Like, he, his team was better. He, they just they should have won. They should have won pretty easily, and they didn't. So because it's on Giannis, I think it makes sense that he resigned because you realize this isn't a front office problem. This is a me problem. So hopefully he worked on his game, and then the Bucks can be really good with him for a long time. Probably the best thing to happen in Bucks history since winning the championship in 1971. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm actually I mean obviously I would love to have Giannis on the Lakers, but I'm kind of happy Giannis stayed in Milwaukee just because we've seen it so many times where teams go to big market, you know, players go to big markets and whatever, but I think Giannis staying with Milwaukee for another five years is, you know, he's showing he's committed. And I think what you said, I think they just need to add some more talent around him. And I do like them bringing in Drew Holiday. So Milwaukee definitely has the talent to get there. Uh, It's just about figuring out how to get it done. And Giannis has to mature a little more as a player, but he's so good as an athlete and a player. I mean, the sky's the limit for Giannis, as overplayed as that that saying is. But, yeah, I, I like that Giannis stayed over there, to be honest. What do you think of the Paul George signing? I, I saw a lot of people mixed mixed reviews on that. Uh, a little disclaimer, you know, I I went to Fresno State, so I saw Paul George play here. I love Paul George as a player. Um but I can't stand the fact that he's on the Clippers just because, obviously, the Lakers-Clippers thing. But um, I do like that Paul George is committed to the Clippers. But we've seen this before. I mean, he said in OKC he was there and in Indiana too. But um, I think he wants to be the franchise guy. And we don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi. So I think Paul George signing that extension – for him, it makes a lot of sense. Now, from the Clippers' side of it, you could argue that maybe it doesn't make that much sense because they could have waited till the off season and next off season and see how everything plays out. But they're all in on Paul George, and I still think Paul George is a really good player. I think the playoff P thing is hanging over his head, and he hasn't really performed well in the playoffs. But I do like Paul George signing that extension, and for him as a player and as a person, it's a Tremendous achievement from where he started and where he is now. And, I mean, from a personal side of it, I couldn't be happier for a guy like Paul George. So, uh, I do like I it. What do you think about it? thing is a little overblown. I mean, he's not a great playoff player. But he's not He's not going to be that bad again. I can't – I just – I can't see him being that bad. I think this was a move the Clippers had to make. You can't risk the team blowing up again and having, like, a blown 3-1 lead again and then Paul George leaves in the summer and Kawhi leaves in the summer and you're screwed. So if you can lock up an all-NBA caliber player for five years, I don't care if it's an overpay. I don't care. You just do it. Because what if he, what if he leaves? You have nothing. No one's going to want to go there because of how it ended. And then they don't have any picks. So at least now you have Paul George. And if nothing else, you could probably trade him. Right. And how many picks oh, do they give up to get Paul George? You can't just like let him had... go. Right. They From the Clippers side of it, they had to buy in and give him – and now that as Kawhi knows wanted, Paul so. George is going to be there, uh, he's more likely to resign. Because what if, if they, let's say they didn't, and then Kawhi's like, uh, I don't know if Paul George is going to stay. I'm not staying without him. Like, you never know. So I don't see why they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So if you're clowning this move, like, you've got to realize, like, they ha- it's a signing you had to do. Kind of like the Gobert signing. Yeah. Where Gobert is overpaid mm-hmm. severely. This is, it's a severe overpay. I'm not going to, like, I'm not going <laughs> to pretend like it's not. But he's still he's the best player on the Jazz. Utah, Rudy Gobert, Utah. Rudy Gobert on a team just makes them a playoff team. His defensive impact is insane in the regular season. And that you can't – you just can't find that everywhere. And people are saying, oh, but they lose all that cap space. Okay, who are they going to sign with that cap space? No f- is going to Utah. 
So, like, you may as well use it on this top 15-ish, maybe top 20 player in the league. Like, you're not going to get those all the time. Certainly not in Utah. So, when you have someone like that, you just have to keep them. I don't care if it's an overpay. You weren't going to be able to trade them for equal value, and you don't want to lose them for nothing. Right, I agree. And I think um, the pairing of Mitchell and Gobert is Yeah, the pick and rolls really are good. great. Like, I mean, real- they're, they're a pretty good team. Yeah. They're not a championship team, but they're not a bad team. And you notice a lot of value in that. Right. And, I mean, he's arguably the best defender in the league every year. So, signing him to that much money is, you know, they're committed to Gobert. And, I mean, congratulations to Rudy Gobert on getting a massive extension. And uh, I think this Jazz team is right there on the cusp of things. So, I think for them as an organization, it's a great move. And you said it. I mean, Who's going to go sign a free agent deal in Utah okay. max deal? When, when did that mean, ever happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it hasn't happened. So, I mean, they got Donovan. Yeah, they've the drafted draft, all their players, right? Like, they, another, Darren Williams, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, right. Carl Malone, John Stockton. Like, no one wants to go to Utah. Right. Sorry, Utah. Like, that just – no. Unless you find, like, some Mormon superstar, I just don't see it. <laughs> yeah, Jimmer Fredette worked out really well in the NBA. Yeah, he wow, went to BYU. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he uh, fizzled yeah, out really yeah, quick was... in the NBA. So uh, I, I, I really only know because I'm a San Diego State basketball fan. They always played BYU. That was when Kawhi Leonard was there. So it was. Yeah, it was yeah he was really good watch, in college. But, but yeah, um, was... yeah. Let's kick it over, and I mean. I love to talk about the Lakers, but the Lakers signed a bunch of extensions this year. So, you know, yeah. And, you know, they re-signed KCP. I mean, what do you think about that? He was probably the best 3 and D wing on the market, and you got him for about $13 a year. Like, that's that's a win. I mean, you can't let him go. Again, it's one of those, like, even if if you think it's a slight overpay, which I don't, like, you have to do it. Like, there were no alternatives on the free agency market to get because they only had the minimum otherwise. You're going to get a level play with them. Yeah, I think. Uh, right. He was so, so good. Shot like 39% last I mean, season. I know be- beginning of the year, everyone was hating on him, but he really came into his own and he established and found his role. And I think signing him to that contract was a steal. And after they signed Harold, everyone was like, oh, they're not going to have money for KCP. But Rob Polinka somehow made it work and i think it's a great move for them so and then obviously the two others are uh lebron and davis so yeah what do you think i mean lebron and ad we could talk about that but we know those you sign max players to max contracts there's not really much great like you right it's great for them it's just yeah it's funny because a couple days ago there was a report that Kuzma and the Lakers had stopped. Yeah, I thought he wasn't going to get one done. I thought he was going to be a a restricted free agent. But then out of there, you know, three for 40 mil. I think that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. It's a very tradable contract, if nothing else. You could always package him and KCP. That's like 25, 26 mil. You could. Yeah. I, I think maybe it's just my personal bias, but I still really love Kyle Kuzma as a player. I think. His roles just changed so much each of the last three years. I mean, he's he's always done something different. So I think 
settling into this role and uh, Mike Trudell was talking about earlier, he needs to buy in on the defensive end and make his money playing defense. And that's what all the Lakers are doing. I mean, if the Lakers play defense, they're going to win again. So I think signing Kuzma for three years takes some of the pressure off Kuzma because he's not in a contract here anymore. He's got a pretty – yeah. And I think – in the preseason, again, maybe it's meaningless, but he's really looked good. His shooting looked improved, and uh, his defense at some points last year were really good. So I think Rob Polinka in general is – in the next three years, who's going to catch this Lakers team aside from a huge blockbuster uh, Injuries or bronze age. <laughs> and, and even if LeBron declines a little bit, I mean – Anthony Davis is – he's so good, and he's shooting the three, and he's just – he's just so good. So, I think Rob Polinka, he's not playing any games. I mean, started the offseason sure. off by getting Shrouder, and I sure. think that was a, a shooter. Terrific move. I love I love uh, shooter. Yeah, I think – I mean, that was just a great offseason from start to finish, from the shooter trade all the way to the Kalkuzma extension. I think they're ready to go, and you know, we'll see how good they do starting on Tuesday against the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, one thing I kind of wanted to touch on uh, before we, you know, get to the end is Adam Silver in the NBA really nailed it with the bubble idea last year. And I mean, at the beginning, we're like, is it it really going to work out? But it was... It, it it was really perfect, and I know for the players mentally it was it was a lot, and you know we can't forget about the journalists and the staff that made all that all that happen. I mean, we always forget about the ESPN people or the hotel staff or all those people that put in all those hours and time and commitment just to make it happen for you know the fans and everybody to to see. But they nailed it, and and this year. Obviously, a 72-game season, you can't do that. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how the season plays out. I mean, we've seen it in college. We've seen it in the other pro sports. They've had their COVID issues, and that's going to happen. So, uh, I do like – when I was looking at the Lakers schedule specifically, they have a lot of, like, two-game series, like two games in three days on the road and and so forth. So, I like that scheduling aspect that they did, but – what do you? What are your biggest concerns about like? I mean, it's the just COVID aspect COVID. of the season. So far, pretty good. I don't think there's been. I think mm-hmm. Shams reported there's only was like one new case in the past few weeks since the beginning of training camp or something, something like that. So that's pretty good. I mean, I think the players will you know try to yeah. be careful because if they if they're not like there could be absolutely there's gonna be like severe punishments. So players really need to do their best and you know stay social distance and like not getting in contact with people who may or may not have COVID. I think it'll be okay, right? I mean, I think there's going to be some cases. There's going to be some uh, – sorry, some games moved around. But I don't think it's going to be that bad. I don't think it's going to be as bad as the NFL because there's not as many – NFL, there's so many players. It's really hard to, like, not get infected when there's just that many people. NBA is, like, significantly fewer players. Like, 20% of the players – something of the amount so i think it'll i think it should be okay right and 
and and the NFL, I feel like um, the NFL didn't have much of a plan. You know, with the Ravens a couple weeks ago, they kept just pushing the game back another day. And I mean, Des Bryant tested positive when he was on the field, and they said there was no close contacts. So how is there no close contacts if he's hugging everybody and the NFL? I mean, but yeah, there's way more players, way more staff involved, you know, way more all that, and they play once a week, so it's harder to reschedule a game and stuff like that. I and mean, we saw the same with college football, and now we see it with college basketball. So um, I do think the NBA absolutely nailed it last year with the bubble, and I think worst case, Adam Silver and his crew, they have some sort of contingency plan just because they've had such a long time to kind of prepare for it. So, you know, hopefully it ends sooner rather than later. I feel like we've been saying that forever, but uh, the best case scenario is, you know, the season goes on and uh, nobody's severely impacted by it. So I think it'll be really interesting and a, a big challenge for everybody. Yeah, they can always just do another bubble if need be like playoffs or something. Yeah, I think I think that makes the most sense. So, uh, like the NCAA women's tournament, they said they're going to play it all in one site. So the men's tournament, they haven't said anything yet. But yeah, we're and the NBA has a ways to go still until the playoffs. So they have the the benefit of sitting back and waiting and seeing how everything plays out uh, in the global aspect of it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss the Western and Eastern Conference playoff teams and our predictions for the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and so forth. See you in a few. Welcome back, everybody. Again, my name is Matthew Wadley. I'm with Tom Eisenberg, the very first episode of the All Nets Are Off podcast. Thanks for joining in. Yeah. Well, let's uh, dive right into it. And uh, I just want to get your feelings on the the award predictions. So, you know, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the, Week, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, and so forth. So go ahead, give me your list, and uh, I'll give you mine, and we can kind of discuss. Okay, I think we should start with Rookie of the Year. That's like the most of the first years. And this one, I think, is like one of the harder ones to predict every year. I, I usually don't get this right. Usually it's just based on who has the most opportunity to put up stats. And I think that will hold true again this year. So I was debating between LaMelo Ball and Killian Hayes because they're both starting guards on pretty bad teams and will have the ball a lot. Ultimately, I went with LaMelo Ball, even though he hasn't really been putting up great stats in preseason. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes and he's just going to get a lot of touches. So even if he averages like 12 on like bad shooting splits, he could win rookie of the year. Because this rookie class just isn't that great. What do you think? I mean, uh, you, you know, we had a, a little discussion the other night. So, of course, I want to go with LaMelo Ball just because, I mean, I know they have Graham and Rozier, but I think he's in a great situation. I think he's going to play huge minutes off the bench. And hopefully not, but if one of those guys get in, gets injured, he's going to start and play big-time minutes. And I think his you potential – <sighs> I don't know. I mean, who knows? But when they start him at the three doesn't make any sense to me. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that lineup for sure. Well, I mean, Hayward's um, at the three. I think that LaMelo's going to start at the two next to Rozier because Graham came off the bench last year most of the year. 
So I don't see why they wouldn't do that again. Give LaMelo as much opportunity as possible. Yeah, it, it'll be really interesting. It's hard to tell in the preseason with the rotation. So yeah. when the regular the season, season starts, they always – yeah. But one guy, one rookie I love, and I think it's a long shot for rookie of the year because of situation, but it's Tyrese uh, Halliburton. Man, Halliburton from Iowa State, like he's got a lot of talent. He's NBA are, ready right now. Oh, yeah, he's NBA yeah. ready. And I think if the Kings are – in trouble, close to the deadline, maybe a team wants to take Buddy Heald or maybe maybe something like that happens and maybe they just play Halliburton. But Halliburton is – man, he's, he's so good. I can't believe he dropped that far down in the draft. So he's one guy I'm really excited to watch as the situation plays out. But my rookie of the year is LaMelo Ball. I think uh, – I mean, I'm just a huge LaMelo Ball fan, obviously, but I think his potential is just through the roof. And, of course, he could be a bust, but – Anyone in the draft can come out and be a bust. So we've seen that the last few years, especially. Yeah. I mean, I just think that LaMelo has a lot more like fatal flaws and some other prospects that went like after him. His ceiling is higher, but I think his basement is lower, his floor. But I do think that he's going to get the opportunity to put up stats because I, well, I think there's some other like better rookies. I just don't think they'll have the numbers. Like I think Wiseman is better. I think Denny Avdia is better. Uh, Patrick Williams might be better like this season in terms of like on-court impact, but I don't think they're going to have the counting stats to be able to win Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I agree. I think Wiseman is in a perfect situation in Golden State, and if Kerr uses him the right way, he can run away with the award, honestly. So I I, I agree with you. The last few years, I feel like Rookie of the Year has been uh, – we kind of knew who it was going to be. Last year, Zion almost won it, and, I mean, that was – probably shouldn't have happened, but – this year, it's yeah, kind of wide open. Place vote. Is that almost winning it? I mean, honestly, he shouldn't have been in the discussion with the amount of games he played. So Yeah, he was just so good. Yeah, but John Morant was so good. Yeah. Okay, what do you got for uh, sixth man of the year? <laughs> this one was hard. Um, but I got Montrezl Harrell winning it again. And I think just because his role is going to be – I mean, the Lakers – you know, initially in free agency, we're like, what are the Lakers doing? We're panicking, but Montrezl Harrell next to AD is such a good situation. And then if they load manage AD and LeBron, we don't know if they're going to, but Montrezl can really put up big numbers, especially if he plays the, f- the four, which is what he's meant to play, really. He's not supposed to play the five. So I think him sliding in and playing the four, I mean, I think he's going to put up big numbers with the Lakers. So I have him winning it again. There's, there's so many guys. I mean, it, it's really hard to tell every year, especially six man. Like Dennis Schroeder really imp- impressed a lot of people last year. So I have Harold. What about you? Yeah, I think Harold's a pretty good choice. I think having Harold and Schroeder though kind of hurts the. Well, I think actually Schroeder's going to start, but Harold's a good choice. I think he's going to put up good numbers, and it's obviously going to be a good team. So that really helps him. But I was kind of eyeing Spencer Dinwiddie because I think, you know, he's really good. Like, he scores a lot of points, and it's just whoever scores the most points off the bench. That's basically how you win it. But honestly, like, predicting this is such a such a crapshoot because any of, like, Harold, Lou Will, Spencer Dinwiddie, any of those, like, off-the-bench score types could win this award on, like, a decent team. Right. Dinwiddie was my second choice, and uh, I also think Schroeder's going to start, which is why I didn't really put too much consideration into him uh, for this award, but... I think Dinwiddie is a great pick, and, man, we'll get into it later, but that Brooklyn team is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Their offense will be great. Yeah. How about, uh, you know, 
the two biggest awards usually is MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. So what are you looking at for those? Uh, MVP, I think this is one of the most open years like that I can remember because I just can't see Giannis winning a third one in a row. It's so hard to win even back-to-back. Actually, back-to-back happens a lot. It's so hard to win three in a row. It's only happened three times. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird. And I just – I think voter fatigue is so strong. Unless Giannis has, like, a crazy statistical jump and is, like, on by far the best team, like, last year, I can't really see him winning it. So it's basically going to come down to who is on the top three seed in either conference and is putting up really good numbers and isn't on the Lakers or Giannis. <laughs> So any anyone else really has a chance. And I think – I want to pick Nikola Jokic again. I picked Nikola Jokic last year, and he started off the season really slow, which really hurt him. But now we're starting late. It's a shorter season. So he doesn't really have time to uh, start off slow and then, like, recover because, like, he just played. So he should still be in shape. So I'm hoping that he starts off the season strong and then like, continues that throughout and wins MVP. That's what I'm thinking. He doesn't. He won't. He can't have a November slump if there's no November games. Right. That's that's true. How about defensive player of the year? Uh, I'm gonna go with Anthony Davis. I thought he should have won it last year. I think he's the best player in the league, and the Lakers will be a great defensive team again. I think it's pretty straightforward. I don't know if he'll necessarily win it, but I do think that he should win it going into the season. Right. I man, I don't even want to get started on that, but he. <laughs> I think he should have won it last year. I mean. And I have Anthony Davis winning Defensive Player of the Year this year. And what Vogel and that coaching staff teaches on defense is, I mean, if the Lakers play defense like that, they're going to repeat. But my MVP pick, I I went back and forth. I was between Luka. I was between Jokic. But I'm going to take a chance, and uh, I'm going to go Damian Lillard here. Wow. That is – that's thick. Yeah. and, And let me tell you why. I think the Blazers peaked at the right at the right time to get in the playoffs, and uh, I was a little scared when they were playing the Lakers in the first round, but they added some nice pieces: Robert Covington, Derek Jones, and I think Damian Lillard. I think he's going to propel them to a top five seed. I know that's saying a lot because they struggled last year for a lot of the season, but he's got Ooh. the he's got the potential, he's got the talent to do it. So I'm taking a long shot here, but I like Damian Lillard. Uh, winning MVP, if he puts up crazy numbers like he did last year, it's going to be hard to vote against him. I mean, his stats are going to be there, and they were injured last year. I do think it'll be better. I could see them as a four or five seed. I just don't think a four or five seed is going to get it done when I think there'll be people who are putting up better stats on better teams, like a Jokic, like maybe a Luka if his team is better, maybe a Durant, or maybe even a Jason Tatum or Joel Embiid, outside shots mm-hmm. there. So I think it's going to be hard for Dame to win it, but he's certainly an MVP caliber player. Right. I, I just I you know, I wanted to pick Luca so bad, but I was like Everyone's picking Luca. Well, I think that's why I didn't do it. I want to take a chance and just roll the dice on Lillard. I mean he's he's so talented. He's so good. Yeah. He's insane. These are these are two awards that people don't talk about too much beginning of the year, but most improved and then your coach of the year. What are you looking for as far as those go? I think most improved. Most improved actually is the hardest award to predict. I also said Rookie of the Year, but Rookie of the Year, you have some sense for how a rookie is going to be because you saw them the year before. Most improved is who's going to change the most. So it's hard to predict that. The best way is usually younger players, 
maybe in their third, fourth, fifth year, or people who are going to get a lot more opportunity. Because I think in terms of just stat jumps, I think Shea Gilgis Alexander is in a perfect situation. He averaged 19 game last year. I could see him averaging like 26, 27 now. I mean, there's no one else on the OKC to score. But I don't know if that's going to win him. I don't think just putting up scoring numbers on a really bad team is going to win you most improved. So I'm actually going to go with Lowry Markinen. I'm not super confident in this pick, but I really thought Coach Jim Boylan used him really, really poorly. And I think Billy Donovan is like a decent coach, while Jim Boylan was one of the worst coaches I've ever seen. So just by that alone, Lowry Markinen should be able to put up numbers in the second season. I think he averaged maybe 17, 18 a game. And now he's going to enter his fourth season, so he's probably better than that by now. Maybe he can average like 20 points, eight rebounds, and win the award. I mean, I don't think that's that un- that crazy. So I'm going to go with Lowry. I, I like that pick. Um, my pick is, uh, again, uh, a little far-fetched maybe, but he was a top-10 pick in the draft last year, and he never really lived up to that potential. But uh, I think the team around him got a lot better, and I think that might alleviate some of the stress and really let him shine and play his natural role. But um, my pick is Jarrett Culver. I think Culver coming out of Texas Tech, he was so raved about going into the draft. And last year, we just – everyone kind of forgot he was a, a top-ten pick. So I think with D'Lo going over there and, I mean, the Timberwolves maybe gelling more and we'll see what happens with KAT if he ends up requesting a trade. But I kind of like Culver just because his situation got better. And I think he can – the pressure is going to be a little less than it was last year. So, I'm going to go with Jared Culver. Um, again, maybe – and like you said it was – you said it pretty well. This award is almost impossible to predict and give right because you don't know how guys are going to jump, especially with a team like Minnesota hasn't played since, what, March? So, they've been in just practice mode for so long. So the same with Chicago. So, uh, it's going to be really weird to see – and really interesting to see all the guys make jumps and how they progress and, for that matter, how they regress, too. Yeah, I think Culver's kind of a weird pick because he's a second-year player, and a second-year player hasn't won the award in the past decade, and I, I don't even remember. But no one in the past decade has won the award in the second season. The second season, players are usually just expected to improve. I think that hurts him. I don't even know if he's going to start because they've got Russell, they've got Rubio, they've got Beasley, they've got Edwards – Full on the wing, and then Cat and D'Lo taking shots. I mean, if if he pulled that out, that would be unbelievable. I I don't think anyone else is considering. So I mean, if you if you place yeah. money on that and you win, you you'd win big. I saw a lot of uh, a lot of journalists and writers were picking Michael Porter Jr. for this award. So that that made me think. I mean, and that one I could kind of see, um, just because of everything that's happened with MPJ. But I mean, to me, MPJ is already a really good player, so for him to improve is going to be... I mean, we already know what MPG is. It's just a matter of him getting over that injury, and we saw in the playoffs and the stretch run that he was doing pretty good, so I think once I saw MPG, I was like, hmm, maybe it's... Maybe see... I don't... I mean, again, this award is really hard to predict, but um, last one for the awards is Coach of the Year. I know the coaching carousel was crazy this year, so who do you like as far as coach of the year i i've been i've gotten a lot of heat for this i've been talking to my friends about this but i've picked doc rivers 
because I I don't really know what to make of Brett Brown as a coach. So I don't know if he was the problem in Philly. But I like how the roster looks this season. I've always been big on Simmons and Embiid. So I think if Doc Rivers is as if the gap between him and Brett Brown really is as big as I think it might be, he can win coach of the year just by, you know, being a neutral coach. I think he's an above average coach. So I think he can get them to a top three seed. If they're healthy, they'll be a great defense. And people will be surprised. They'll be like, oh my God, the Sixers are actually good. They're not, you know, the worst road team in the league. And so then Doc Rivers could actually win coach of the year. Because I just don't really like the other candidates that much. Frank Vogel's never going to get credit for anything coaching. So right. he's out. Uh, Budenholzer, after his, how what he did in the playoffs last year, I don't think he's going to win it. He's out. Nurse won it last year. He's out. Steve Nash, I mean, with the Nets, I feel like there's going to be a lot of, like, chaos going on there. I don't really – I think they're going to be a good team, but, eh, I don't know. I don't really feel like, don't feel about Coach of the Year there, so I'm going to take him out. Rookie head coaches are really rarely win it. So I feel like that kind of leaves Doc Rivers. I know there's some other, like, West coaches that maybe, like, maybe mm-hmm. – but I don't know. I've got good vibes from Doc Rivers and the Sixers. That's what I'm – Yeah, I agree. I think Doc Rivers uh, going to Philadelphia is – a great move for both sides, honestly. But um, I saw Monty Williams slotted here. Yeah, like a lot of a lot of articles I wrote. But I, you know, I'll get into this later about the Suns. But I'm not too sure how the Suns are going to do. But my pick is a, in a way, a rookie because he hasn't coached for a couple of years, but he's coached before. So I'm going to go Stan Van Gundy. And I know this is a saying a lot, but. That Pelicans team has some really good players. And if Van Gundy can figure out a way to get them to play well, you're looking at a a team that's going to make the Western Conference playoffs, if he can figure it out. So if they make the playoffs, I mean, that's a lot of pressure on him with Zion. And, I mean, they got Steven Adams, Lonzo Ball. I mean, they have a – and, of course, you know, Brandon Ingram. But they have a bunch of talent over there. And if he can figure it out and – piece it together he's been out for a couple years I think last time he coached was in 2018 with the Pistons so it'll be interesting to see how he works with that team but I like Van Gundy just because of the fact that he has a good team to get to the playoffs if he can just figure out how to use them right yeah I mean that's happened before where coaches win for like the surprise playoff team I don't know how much of a surprise the Pelicans would be but I think it's going to take more than anything health because during the regular season last year when Zion and Ingram both played, their net rating was through the roof. And Zion, I mean, if you've watched him the preseason, he looks great. He's in great shape. So if the Pelicans, right, if they just stay healthy, then I think they're definitely going to be, at the very least, a play-in team, if not the eighth seed. Right. I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, yeah, I think, like I said, it's going to be – Really interesting to see. There was a lot of movement and a lot of coaches going different places. And uh, with the weird off season, and some of these teams only had like a couple months off, so it's going to be. I'm I'm excited to see how the season plays out. To be honest, so I can't wait for Tuesday night and to get everything rolling. Finally, it feels like basketball hasn't been forever, but it feels like it's just yesterday the Lakers were winning. So yeah, what an off season! So fast. <laughs> um, I wanted to. I, I looked up on VegasInsider.com some over-under numbers for some teams for the, the season. So I want to kind of get your thoughts on it, and I'll give you mine. And, uh, yeah, hit me. Just going to rattle off some teams. So the first is the Bucks had the highest 
with 49 and a half wins. What do you think? Over under on the Bucks at 49 and a half. 49 and a half seems really low. That's in a 72 game season. That's on pace for what? Like 56 wins. They won all over. They were on pace for well over 60 last year in a full season. I think that's an easy over. I mean, unless Giannis gets hurt, I don't understand how they would win less than like 54, 55 games. Yeah, I was really surprised when I saw that. And I was surprised that they were on top, I guess, but um, I also have them over. I think that's, that's the highest easy... over under. Yeah, forty nine. I don't think anyone is gonna be a five level, fifty seven level one team. Wow, there's gonna be a lot of I, and I, I think part of it is because of the COVID protocols. So I think that has a lot to do with the over under because you don't know if Giannis is not gonna play one day because he tests positive for COVID. So. I mean, we kind of saw in the NFL how it affected teams and even MLB. So I think that's why the over-under numbers in general are lower for the top teams. But someone has I to mean, get those wins. Does that mean, so are the lower teams, do they have really high over-unders? Give, give me, let's, get, let's go through some more. Yeah. So um, I'm going to keep going at, at the high side for now. But I have the Lakers at 46 and a half. Over. <laughs> over. And, and I mean – that's disrespectful to the Lakers, but you know John Hollinger from the Athletic had them fourth in the West, and that's just, was just West bizarre. Last year I too. He said that they had death problems last year, and now they improved them. And again, he said they had death problems this year. I don't, I, I don't get what I, you're talking about. <laughs> I was listening to Mike Trudell, the the Lakers beat writer, and he was just going off on Hollinger because how do the Lakers have depth problems this year? I mean, they added depth, better players, but I mean that's. You know, that's neither here nor there. But I was really surprised when I saw that. And then uh, there's three teams at 45 and a half, and that's the Clippers, the Celtics, and the Nets. Clippers, Celtics, and Nets. They're protected all to win about 51 games in the normal season. Um, I think those are probably all overs, too. I mean, maybe I'm just – I don't know if I'm a little too over. I, maybe I need to see other teams. But I just feel like those are all better than that. Other than the Nets, they were all better than that last season. I don't think Boston really got that much worse for everybody. I mean, they lost Gordon Hayward, but I like the addition of Tristan Thompson. And, you know, they're a young team. Tatum and Brown will probably improve. Kemba's going to miss some time. Actually, I'm talking myself into the Celtics under. Maybe the Celtics actually will be under. But I do like the Celtics. Clippers are definitely over. And Nets, if Durant is healthy, is also definitely. Yeah, I actually think all three of those teams are over. But so um, this is more questionable. The Celtics. I think. The well. Yeah, I think this. Uh, right. Good. And uh, I have the full list in front of me. So if you want to name some teams, I'll give you their numbers. Or. Uh sure. Okay. What about like maybe some middle team, middling teams? Like what about like what are the what's the Pelicans? The Pelicans are at thirty six and a half. Okay, so they think they're going to be about a five hundred team. I could see that. That's a, that's pretty tough. Because that depends also on health, right? Yeah. If Zion's healthy, I think that's an easy over. But I think if he's not healthy, it's an under. So that that would be a really hard one to bet on. I wouldn't bet on the Pelicans over under. Like I right. The, the Warriors are also at 36 and a half, which is probably about right. The, the same thing can be said, like what you said about the Pelicans. It depends on health. I mean, losing Clay is a huge blow, but Wiggins, Oubre... Curry and however they use Wiseman, and then of course Draymond's still there. So, I think the Warriors at thirty six and a half is, in my opinion, an easy over. But I think so too. We haven't. 
Curry's injury last year Curry was like, more, kind of was like a fluke injury, right? Like he broke his hand. That's not like a chronic thing. You right. don't just break your hand all the time. So I think that's right. probably over. I doubt Curry's going to miss a lot of time this year. Zion, I don't really know how he's like with his injuries. He just entered the league. I don't know if he's really injury prone or if he just had, you know, one fluke injury and then they just load managed him. But Curry, I, I feel pretty good about Curry. Yeah, I also feel good about Curry. And then, uh, of course, the Western Conference, the last two teams are the Kings and the Thunder. So the Thunder at 22 and a half wins. The Kings are at 22 and a half? Thunder. No, the Thunder. Oh, that's hard. I, I love to go under on the worst teams because I always overestimate how bad they'll be. Like last year with the Hornets, I predicted they would win like eight games. I thought they were such a bad roster. And same thing about the Thunder team. I just can't see them beating anybody. So I'm going to go under again, and then I'll probably be wrong when they'll win like 30 games somehow. <laughs> 22 and a half seems high for the Thunder. I mean, who do they have besides SGA and then Al Horford, who's been in the league forever? I mean, they have a lot of young guys, but I don't I, know. I would not I bet think over that's under. I don't know who's betting over. Right, and then, I mean, my last two teams in the West were the Kings and the Thunder. But uh, the Kings are an interesting team because they have a good group of players, but... The West is just too tough. Luke, yeah, the West is tough, and I'm still never going to be sold on Luke Walton as a head coach. So, you know, maybe maybe he'll figure it out, but... He's had plenty of opportunities. Yeah, the one team... I think one team in the West that's really low on this list, in my opinion, is the Grizzlies at 30.5 games. That is a little low, but Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to miss some time. And I think they didn't really get better while other West teams did. So I could see why it's that low. I'd probably say over. I could see them winning like 28, 29 games. This happens sometimes, right? The Kings, they had that season where they almost and then they regressed. Mm-hmm. Although that I think was mostly because they changed coaches to Luke Walton from Dave Yeager, which I still don't understand. But I he's having like a like a, a fallback season. Well, that's not not the right word. Uh, they take a step back. <laughs> They're not gonna be as yeah. good. I I don't I don't know if they'll be in the play in game. I don't think so. I think they'll be close, but I think the West is just too deep. Yeah, the West is so deep. It's like there's probably 13 teams that can fight for those 10 spots and really eight spots because, I mean, it'll it'll be interesting. But, yeah, I think the West is so deep. And then uh, uh, looking at the Eastern Conference over-unders really quick, they have the the Hornets at 25-and-a-half. What do you think about the Hornets? I think the Hornets are better than they were last year, and they were going to smash 25 wins with less games. So I don't see why you'd say under. I mean, they were. I think they finished with 23 wins last year, and they only played like 60-something. So I don't really see why they right. wouldn't pass this over under. Just by adding Gordon Hayward, that automatically makes them better. So I think that should right. help them. I agree. And then – Another team I thought was pretty low was the Pistons. The Pistons are at 23 and a half wins. I think that's maybe like a slight over, maybe an under. It depends what happens with Blake and Rose. If they're healthy, 
traded. Mm-hmm. But that roster is really bad. Outside, if you take out Blake Griffin and Derek Rose, that roster is just bad. They made signings. There's very few like above average players on that team. It's just a bad team. They they better hope they get the first pick. <laughs> yeah, their free agency was so weird to me. I'm like, what are they doing? I mean, I like Grant, maybe, but I feel like they paid him a lot, and I feel like they okay. don't really need him. I mean, on he's not going to help so. them. The Nuggets could have used him at 20 million. Right. What What are the Pistons doing with Jeremy Grant? And then they also have two more years. Then they've got they Mason Plumlee to eight million a year for three years. When Tristan Thompson makes nine million, Montrezl Harrell makes nine million, Sergi Baca makes nine. Million. What are you doing, Detroit? And then they signed a Jaleel Okafor too. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, he's like two million a year. He's, he's a backup center. Yeah. But yeah, ah, what a weird. Like they had a pretty good draft, I thought, and then just the free agency just ruined it. Right, their free agency. I was like, what is going on? They're just signing anybody that will put a pen to paper at this yeah. point. It's like the Lakers like, in but... 2016. <laughs> 2016 was a weird free agency year for everybody. Everybody just threw money at yeah. players, but. Yeah, Mitch Kupchak, uh, I saw your tweet earlier, and Mitch Kupchak didn't do anybody any favors. Gordon Hayward is not worth $30 million in four years for a rebuilding team. That makes no sense. It's a bad thing. No. Um, Any any Eastern Conference teams you're curious about their over-under? Hawks and the Wizards. The Hawks are at 36 and a half. 36 and a half. I think it's kind of low. I like the Hawks. I liked them last year. I, I think that's low. Yeah, that's about 500. So I think that's pretty low for the Hawks. I think I think 40 wins is a pretty solid number obtainable. They could blow past that too. So just depends how that roster gels. And then the Wizards are at 32 what? The and Wizards a half. are a playoff lock in my eyes. Westbrook alone is just a playoff team. Then you add Bradley Beal and then Thomas Bryant, Bertans of Dia. That's a good team. Not really want fewer than 40 games, really. I think the Wizards are good. I, I also think the Wizards are good. I think Westbrook and Beal is a scary they're duo. Like I Indiana. Mean, needs I mean, they're a playoff lock. So are the Wizards to me. Yeah. The Wizards are – I think they're going to probably surprise a lot of people. I think a lot of people still think of Westbrook last year. He didn't really have the best year. Um, so they think his, his time is done. But I think Westbrook really just needed to change the situation. I mean, and, I, I love Westbrook good last year for yeah, a stretch, I, right? Like from January to March, he was averaging over 30 points on like mm-hmm. 53%. He was crazy. And that's because he took out, they got rid of Clint Capella and they spaced the floor for him. And now the Wizards, they're one of the best shooting teams in the league. You can run a lineup of Westbrook, Beal, one of Troy Brown Jr., Denny of Dia, and then Bertans and Thomas Bryant. And that's four shooters with Westbrook. And you can just attack the rim. And you can also do pick and rolls with Thomas Bryant because he's still a big. I think this is a great fit for Westbrook. Oh, he's going to have so many assists this year if that team can live up to their shooting potential. I love I love Westbrook on the Wizards. When I saw that trade, I was like, win for the Wizards and for the Rockets. They got rid of, rid of Westbrook, so I guess uh, yeah. that's I mean, what they wanted to do. It's okay for the Rockets. But I liked it a lot for the Wizards. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you know, since we were talking about it, you know, um, 
Yeah, the over unders are so weird this year. Really, it's weird, an unpredictable but, um, year. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, I want to know your playoff teams for each conference. Let's start with. I think with the, the West, West has a few locks. I think the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. Those are definitely locks. Um, I don't know what to think of the Rockets. I think if Harden's on the Rockets, they're a lock. But I don't know if he's going to be there. I'm going to just assume he's not going to be there. So I'll go with the LA teams, the Nuggets. Those are my top three seeds. And then some order of Dallas, Portland, Utah, and Phoenix. Right? Is that four more teams? So that leaves only mm-hmm. one spot. Oh, wow. That is so tough. I guess I pick the Warriors then, and I think those will be my eight. I'm not sure about the order besides like the top three. I think it's so hard because the yeah. West is just so good. I could see still making. I could see. Making it. I could see. Am I missing someone? I feel like I'm forgetting. Someone. Maybe not. But yeah. You said yeah. you said Dallas. Yeah, yeah I think. Those are- yeah. Yeah, I, I. I think that's pretty solid. Um. Yeah, I have the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Dallas, obviously, and the Jazz and Blazers. Those are six teams that I feel really yeah, confident are going to make the playoffs. And then the last two spots, I'm so torn between four teams, honestly, and that's the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Suns, and the Warriors. Yeah, I think they're all really tough to gauge. And I, and I think the reason why it's tough is because – you don't know how the Suns are going to be. Yeah, adding Chris Paul is huge on paper, but you don't know how they're going to be. And the same with the Warriors. Chris Paul has so, huge injury history. And the he gets hurt the all the time. If he misses yeah. a month from a hamstring injury, I think the Suns are screwed. I agree. And then the Grizzlies and Pelicans are so young. So those last two spots are going to be hard. And I think the play-in tournament is interesting. And I think we could see a team – win that playing tournament just to ultimately get swept by yeah. whoever the one seed is. I presumably think, I the Lakers. The Warriors if the Lakers stay I healthy. Think in that playing situation, because it'd be the seven, eight, nine, ten seeds. So those four teams. I think in that situation, the Warriors are just better than the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. Just talent on paper. So I picked those two. Because even if they're maybe have worse records overall in the regular season, if they make it to that playing tournament, I think they'll they'll win. Yeah. I I gave the Spurs a lot of consideration just because Greg Popovich is a terrific coach and they have Murray, they have Derek White, they still have Lamar Aldridge and Lamar DeRozan. I'm out. No. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't put them in, but it wouldn't surprise me if Popovich figures out a way to get them where they need to be. I mean, he's one of the best in I mean, the game a for a reason. They so, should, they uh, should yeah, no, for sure they should, but I mean, you know, Popovich likes to be in the playoffs, and I think everyone likes to be in the playoffs. So, um, I mean, the like you said, the West is so deep. To pick those last two spots is it's going to come down to the last day of the year, and I love when it happens like that. It's exciting, it's entertaining. So, it'll be really interesting to see how everything boils down. But let's go on and uh, go over to the Eastern Conference. And to me, the Eastern Conference is is a mess. Just really? I don't know I think who it's to really pick. Straightforward. Especially I for think the last... there's like five like upper like teams in like their own tier. 
where it's like the Bucks, Nets, Celtics, Sixers, Heat. I think those are like really the five best teams in mm-hmm. the East. They're locks. And then there's also the Pacers and the Raptors. Those are also, they were like good last year. There should be good regular season teams again this year. And then it's basically just a fight for the eighth seed. And I already established, I like the Wizards. I want to pick the Wizards for that last spot. I think the only other team that has a chance to make it really are the Hawks. I just don't think any of the other East teams are that good. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I, I have the same eight Bucks, Heat, Celtics, Raptors, Sixers, Nets, Wizards, and Hawks. I'm, I mean, uh, not the Hawks, but the Pacers. But I can see the Hawks and Hornets causing some problems. And uh, if if the Hornets can get Lamella Ball where he needs to be, and if Gordon Hayward can be the player he could be, like that Hornets team might be able to creep in there. But and the same with the Hawks. I mean. Who knows how this Hawks team is going to go, but the Hawks could very well make a case to the eighth seed. I just don't know who would who they were getting over. It's I, I really don't know how the East, the bottom yeah. of the East, is going to play out. I think we have the top six. Is we know who the top six are going to be, assuming that the Heat. I mean the not the Heat. Assuming the Nets are as good as they are on paper, then it's going to come down to the Hawks and the Wizards and the Pacers for those last two spots and. I can't drop the Pacers out because they have a lot of talent over yeah, there. Too, I dropped so. the Hawks because I think they're the least proven. I think they're not going to be good defensively. So I just, by default, they just kind of fell to ninth for me. Right. And, uh, you know, we're talking about it. So what's your finals prediction? Uh, that's tough because I just have no idea what to make of the East. I think it's definitely Lakers over whoever makes it out. And I want to pick the Bucks. I wanted to pick them last year, but then you know, obviously they, but Coach Bud didn't play starters enough minutes, and the Miami Heat played the wall defense on Giannis, and he became irrelevant in the fourth quarters. So that makes me not trust the Bucks. But I still, I don't love the Heat, even though they made the finals last year. I think the Nets defense. I don't know what to think of the Sixers. Mm-hmm. The Celtics seem like the least flawed team, but I don't think they're they don't have like. They're not going to have the best player in most of these series. Tatum's great, but I don't think he's better than Embiid. I don't think he's better than Giannis, Durant. Uh, he's like a Jimmy Butler-level player. So I'm going to pick the Bucks, but I'm really reluctant on that, and I reserve the right to change my mind throughout the season. But I'll just say the Bucks right now. I picked Philly last year, and that worked out really bad preseason. Uh, I respect the you reserving the right to change your mind. I think, I mean, obviously, you know, of course, I'm a Lakers fan, but how can the Lakers not be picked? All the articles I'm reading, they're picking the Lakers, and uh, they didn't pick the Lakers last year, most of them. So it's I nice mean, to see them actually. I think Jensen, they proved the, the Lakers, but like, it yeah. sucks for the other 2019. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the Lakers are. Barring injury, barring some unforeseen circumstance, they're going to repeat this year. But I'm really torn between three teams in the East, and that's the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Sixers. I think the Sixers have the roster, but I think what you said about Brett Brown is is a good point. And if Doc Rivers is really the coach everyone thinks he could be, he could elevate the Sixers. But today, 
two days before opening night, I'm going to say Lakers-Celtics just because the Celtics, I mean, you said it perfectly, the least flawed team of the group. Um, Tatum and Brown and Smart. I mean, and then they added Teague and Thompson. Uh, maybe they're a little older, but those are veteran players that are good veterans. Have last, playoff experience, last season, so I think only two teams were top five in offense and defense. Do you know what those two teams were? It was the Clippers and the Celtics. No. So I, I think the Celtics, they're super well-rounded. Like they, they definitely could get over the hump. I don't know if they will. And also I wanted to add this because I thought this would be a good avenue that if Harden gets traded to the Sixers for Ben Simmons, I think the Sixers will make the finals. They did become my pick immediately to make the finals. <laughs> I agree. And, uh, you know, venturing off on that, I saw some reports that he are trying to get Harden. And if the Heat get Harden, I'm picking the Heat to make the finals. I mean, Harden and Butler together is – that's a great combination because you have Butler's kind of tenacity and you have Harden offensively. So it's really – oh, and bam, yeah. I mean, we don't know what package the Heat or the Sixers are going to have to throw. Involved, to out of bio, Harden, I'm telling you right now. Miami's not going to be out of bio for Harden. No, for sure. I, I think Tyler yeah, Harrell is a good starting Duncan point Robinson for them. has to be in and, it. Uh, and for salary has to be in yeah. it. And picks. Every pick you can offer. But right. I don't know it's better. Right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, right now I have the Celtics, but if Harden goes to either of those teams, uh, I'm going to pick those teams. I think it's just that's a loaded team. But still – Let's just play the guessing game, and let's say Harden goes to the Sixers. Do you think the no. Sixers are going well, to beat the Lakers in the finals? And I think it could be pretty competitive. I think it could be like a six-game, maybe even seven-game series. I don't love Harden in the playoffs, and it'd be their first time there. Like besides Danny Green and Dwight, like there's not really much like high-level playoff experience. Harden was like super young when he made his finals, and the Lakers is the defending champs with some other champions on their team with LeBron Davis. Like I just I don't see anybody beating that. I don't care where goes. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, unless Harden goes to the Nets, but I, I think that's just a chemistry way, a disaster waiting to happen. But I, I think the Lakers, regardless of who they play, are going to win, barring well, injury and barring some crazy situation. But uh, yeah, some something happening. And but yeah, I mean, the, the Lakers improved. The Lakers got what they needed. To make the roster better, and Rob Polinka is definitely under the radar. I mean, probably should have won Executive of the Year, but he just retooled this roster, and I don't know how he does it. But for being an ex-agent and for the Lakers jumping on him when they hired him, he's really done a good job. So um, I think those are the East is going to be really interesting to see because there's a lot of teams that can come out there, like you said. So. Uh, and let's not forget about the Raptors either. Although I don't think the Raptors are going to make the finals, but they have a pretty nice team returning. So um, the East is definitely there. And I mean, I just don't see anyone being the Lakers in the West. I think it's going to be really hard to beat the Lakers. All right, everybody. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and look forward to the start of the NBA season. Until next time, this is Matt Wildley and Tom Eisenberg. Thanks for joining.